listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. My name is Clark Rockfall. I'm the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, and I'm joined by my co-host... And I am Swavananda Kumar. I am a CBS Advocate Art Specialist. And we are coming to you over the ACB Media Network, as well as via your favorite podcast player. Uh, so please keep listening, downloading, streaming, and all that you do so that well, makes this podcast for us and ACB worthwhile and we love sharing information with you but also we want to hear from all of you as well so if you have any advocacy items that you'd like to share with us or if you'd like to learn more about what the american council of the blind is up to you can always visit our website at acb.org and if you'd like to share an advocacy item directly with swatha and me you can email us at advocacy at acb.org so Swatha, it's it's been a uh, busy July, but more so it's been a busy past week. Isn't that correct? Yes, it has been. Um, so July was July is Disability Pride Month, and last week was the anniversary of the American American Disabilities Act. So the this year. That's right. And uh, very few folks out there have as much, if not more, disability pride than the American Council of the Blind. We kick off the month with our annual conference and convention, which we did in person in Schaumburg, Illinois, as well as with many hybrid sessions for virtual participation as well. And then Swatha, you nailed it. Last week was the ADA anniversary. And there was a whole lot going on. Uh, it really really gives you the sense that we are uh, starting to view, although not entirely, but starting to view the COVID-19 pandemic um, in our rear view mirror by the number of in-person and virtual events that took place last week. Yep, so quite a few events happened last week. Um, is that going to start off with the Title II regs? Absolutely, yes. Many events indeed. Um, and many of these events were related to uh, departments and agencies of the federal government and their offices of civil rights that were either announcing new initiatives or highlighting some ongoing work. So before I get to the uh, a very big item being the title to web accessibility rulemakings. I'd also just touch on that the Department of Justice Office of Civil Rights held uh, an ADA anniversary session to talk about um, disability rights and civil rights for uh, people who are incarcerated and certainly people with disabilities that are in our federal prison system. Uh, also, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, uh, they held a virtual listening session that both the American Council of the Blind and our special interest affiliate, the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, were able to participate 
and there highlight the need for low vision devices and services. Uh, but Swath has already teased it, so we'll just jump right in. Folks, the Department of Justice and the Biden-Harris administration, um, they have sent to the Federal Register for publication a Title II uh, rulemaking, and this is under the Americans with Disabilities Act, Title II, so involving state and local governments. Um, they're publishing a notice of proposed rulemaking for the ADA and websites and mobile applications. So this is a rulemaking that will provide all of us an opportunity to comment and influence the work of the federal government as it relates to the accessibility of websites and mobile applications uh, used by state and local governments. Uh, this is a big deal. This has never happened before. We've never had a, an NPRM, uh, a rulemaking related to online accessibility. A couple things to note here. One, we've said several times now that this is Title II. So this is focused on the websites and applications used by state and local governments. Now that impacts a lot of things that we do when interfacing with state and local governments. Obviously, voter registration, um, Department of Motor Vehicles, paying uh, taxes, um, it could be related to utilities and other government services. So those government entities will contract uh, with third parties and businesses and vendors for the technology that they don't create on their own or in-house. Um, so that's all very exciting, right? But we all know that there's many aspects of our lives that don't impact state and local governments. So as much excitement as we have that this Title II rulemaking is moving forward, as much as we will encourage everyone to participate in the process with comments and reply comments, and as strongly as we'll push for the federal government uh, to complete this rulemaking, hopefully so that we can celebrate it at the 34th anniversary of the ADA, we know that there's still a lot more work to do when it comes to Title III, which impacts places of public accommodation, businesses, nonprofits, and things like that. Uh, we also know that many agencies are looking at updating their Section 504 regulations. So whether that's Health and Human Services, Department of Transportation, Department of Education, and so on. So this is a great initial step, uh, a necessary step forward, but still plenty of work for us and plenty of work for the federal government to do. Um, but Swatha, that's just one item. There are several other announcements and events that took place last week. Yeah, so last Tuesday, um, the Access Board, which is a federal agency that sets kind of standards and rules for accessibility of um, under like, these laws, the like ADA, um, they had a town hall meeting um, in Baltimore at the National Federation of the Blind um, headquarters in Baltimore. Um, and at this town hall meeting, um, they announced the that the final rule for the 
public rights guidelines, so PROAG, was um, completed and finalized and sent back for um, publication in the Federal Register. So what PROAG is, it sets, PROAG is, it, um, it sets um, access, access standards and, and rules and, and rules for the pedestrian, pedestrian environment. So your streets, your sidewalks, um, so things like curb cuts and curb ramps and tactile indicators and um, a big one for big one for a community is um pedestrian signal pedestrian signals. So ATSs. So um those kind of signals that um kind of provide audible and um vibro tactile or just like kind of touchy feely. Um in the indicator indicators that's trying to cross street. So that's exciting, exciting. And um Look forward, look forward to to seeing what the final rule final rule out for um and after it's published published um the it's it's on the Department of Justice and Transportation to um publish publish rules or promulgate rules um on Proag so make it make it make it official so make it make it official make it um enforceable 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 so yeah Clark on yeah thanks Swatha so much like the title to NPRM with PROAG another great step forward to get those updated guidelines from the access board published in the federal register but Swatha I'm hearing that we still have some advocacy work to do to get the Department of Justice and Department of Transportation to turn those updated guidelines into enforceable regulations, right? Yes, we do, and we and we and we and ACB, ACB will will push and, and pushing for the UJ and DOT to go through with the with, with these regs. So, yeah, so some job security for for Swatha and me here, folks, is, <laughs> is your advocacy team. The, the more we're able to do with your help and with the help of our partners, the just leads to more work that needs to be done. Yeah. So another item, uh, actually a couple more items that we've been working on for, for quite some time. The first one's audio description related. And the next one is accessible uh, COVID test related. So one of this year's legislative imperatives for the American Council of the Blind is the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act. And I am excited to say that the CVTA was reintroduced. Um, it was initially introduced last year towards the end of the 117th Congress. But here we are in the 118th Congress, so it had to be introduced again. And that's what happened on Tuesday, July 25th, folks. So Senator Markey from Massachusetts and Representative Eshoo from California, they introduced here in the 118th Congress the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act. And the American Council of the Blind was invited to participate in a press conference with Senator Markey as part of the bill reintroduction. Additionally, ACB participated on a panel outlining 
the CVTA, what is in the legislation, and what our plans are now that the bill has been reintroduced at the biannual conference for one of our partner organizations, Telecommunications for the Deaf, or TDI. Uh, because as much as this bill is a priority for ACB and also AFB, the American Foundation for the Blind, it's also a big initiative for our friends in the deaf and hard of hearing community. So organizations like TDI, Hearing Loss Association of America, National Association uh, of the Deaf. Um, so all of us want people who are blind and low vision, people who are deaf and hard of hearing, people who are deaf blind, and certainly folks with other disabilities, whether communications or mobility dexterity uh, disabilities, to be able to have access to and use communications and information technology, uh, both native and out of the box, as well as for it to be interoperable with our assistive technology. So we are very excited for reintroduction of the CVTA and I'd say uh, stay tuned to your ACB communications channels because more information, including how you and your affiliates and other organizations can support the CVTA will be coming soon. The next item uh, was also a, a press release or highlighted by a press release from the US Access Board, as well as the National Institutes of Health, NIH, and that is updated guidance for at-home COVID-19 testing manufacturers. So these are accessible testing guidelines that the federal government is publishing and making available to test manufacturers so that they can make at-home at COVID tests more accessible. And not just the tests, but the instructions, the packaging, the physical test itself, as well as the test results, more accessible for people with disabilities. We've been participating, geez, uh, about a year and a half now in uh, listening sessions, roundtables, providing feedback to uh, NIH, as well as the National Institutes of Bio, oh geez, oh, I committed myself, National Institutes of Bioimaging and Biomedical. Engineering, um, engineering, right? Yeah, engineering. So National Institutes on Bioimaging and Biomedical Engineering, or NIBIB, NIBIB, um, so that they can make at-home tests for COVID-19 more accessible. That's include folks from the blind and low vision community, um, our older individuals, including the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, as well as uh, organizations rep representing individuals with uh, physical mobility and dexterity impairments. And a, a big realization for our partners here in the federal government was that a lot of the items being requested from these separate groups were all interrelated, you know, easier to read and understand instructions. You know, how's that uh, why wouldn't that benefit everyone, right? Certainly folks who are older, uh, folks with uh, sensory or print disabilities, I know, same for being able to handle the tests, manipulate the tests, and having independent and private access to the results. 
So we are very excited that these updated guidelines are out. One of the reasons that we're excited is that this will benefit at-home testing uh, more broadly than just COVID-19. This has the potential to impact all forms of at-home testing, certainly those provided by uh, the federal government and federal agencies. So once again, our work is not done. Um, but a, a very positive announcement and just means more work for all of us to do to ensure that we have equal access, uh, not only to at-home testing, but remote diagnostic equipment, telemedicine, patient portals, and the entire health and wellness system. All right, back to you, Swatha. Great. Um, so on the on July 26th on ADA Day, um, the House Energy and Commerce Committee held a hearing on autonomous on autonomous vehicles. Um, and this hearing was in per, both person and virtual. Um, and ACB, as part of the coalition 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 coalition, called the Consortium for constituents for constituents with, with disabilities CCD task with CCD um submitted a letter um uh, to the ANC committee um on kind of what what what, what um AVs have what even what um policies and practices AVs have to um and essentially be or meet to accessible for um people with disabilities. So things like um making making sure states don't 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 make um being able, being able to operate or own an AV uh or um ride in one um a requirement to have a license or to have a driver's license um because you know many folks especially those those for blind and division can't drive or cannot get a license to drive. So um make sure that make sure that barrier doesn't doesn't exist. Um also on the EVs are usable in transit. So like on a bus or an AV train maybe. Um so having those and and paratransit having those, you know, having AVs Having having the ability for, for AVs to to be used in those kind of modes um, as well. Um, and this letter was submitted twice for the record by once by a Democrat, once by once by Republican, by Republican, by Republican. So it really goes to show how uh, by by partisan um this this accessibility is becoming in this, in this arena, and um really shows that they are committed to um. Accessibility for people with disabilities, um, and it was great. Um, a lot of there's a lot of great questions asked. A lot of the members mer- mer- seemed engaged. Um, we heard quite a few times about about, how, about um the benefits of AVs for for, for people people with disabilities. have the AVs themselves need need to be accessible for people with disabilities. Um, so it's great hearing. Um, we we. we um, we really, we really get re- feedback. Um, I really enjoyed it because I enjoyed it. Um, you know, yeah. Um, and um, so next up on the next up, next thing that has become on Monday was that the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Urban Development, Urban Development, um, 
had a comment, um, had like an eight advanced notes proposal for making, so an A so an A and PRM um on section five section five four section five section five four up updates um and um making making sure that those um come are up to date to um current um kind of modes and um housing needs um so those six five four is is that it is um it it discrimination on basis of disability um in federal in federal federal programs and by private government so um and these have these, these um guidelines and rules and five before haven't I haven't I haven't been updated since the like 80s so it's been a while so um yeah, so they had um sought comments on their up on their on their um updates. And ACB wrote comments. Um they 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 were pretty long. Um they um were pretty were pretty sensitive, but um we decided to um continue to engage with um the federal government and um to engage with HUD on making sure that accessibility does not stop it. This does not um you know, fall fall away side. It, it keeps it keeps up continue, it continues, it continues to, to to evolve. So update. So back to you, back to you. Yeah, and, and Swatha, thank you for the work that you did along with ACB's pedestrian and environmental access committee to pull together uh comments for the American Council of the Blind um for that uh HUD or HUD advanced notice of proposed rulemaking. And last but not least, from all of the events and announcements that took place the week of the ADA anniversary, uh, many disability organizations at the national level were invited to the White House Executive Office Building for an ADA anniversary roundtable. And this took place and was led by the director of disability policy for the White House, uh, but had several other folks in attendance, including the Department of Excuse me, yes, Department of Justice, uh, Disability Rights Section, the Department of Transportation, Office of Aviation Consumer Protection, as well as the U.S. Access Board. Uh, I was fortunate to be able to represent the American Council of the Blind in all of you, and was surrounded by many of our partners from the American Foundation for the Blind, the National Federation of the Blind, Blinded Veterans Association, and our friends from the cross-disability community. So the uh, former congressman, the Honorable Tony Quello, was present, as well as representatives from Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, Paralyzed Veterans of America, National Association of the Deaf, Epilepsy Foundation, uh, National Council on Independent Living, and possibly even one or two more that I'm uh, blanking on at this moment. But as you can tell, uh, ACB was in very good company from our partners, many of which we've been working hand in hand on all of the items that we've discussed thus far. Ah, one more organization, uh, American Association of People with disabilities, AAPD was also present in the room.
And this roundtable really kicked off with discussions about two of the items that we've already discussed, recent rulemakings. So the uh, the publication of the PROAG, Public Rights-of-Way Accessibility Guidelines by the U.S. Access Board in the Federal Register um, that SWATHA had touched on and that were announced earlier in the week. And then also, as the Department of Justice shared at their ADA anniversary event and shared in a subsequent press release, and that we've touched on the publication of the ADA Title II uh, website and mobile application accessibility notice of proposed rulemaking. A third item that was shared, and this is also a final rule by the Department of Transportation, and that's related to the accessibility of lavatories on single aisle aircraft. So not something that is uh, you know, top priority for people who are blind and low vision, more directly impacts our partners uh, from the mobility uh, community and the physical disability community, certainly folks that use wheelchairs and aisle chairs on aircrafts, ensuring that there is a minimum size so that an individual using a chair and an attendant uh, are able to fit into the lavatory area on a single aisle aircraft with seats more than 125 seats. I thought it was interesting that the announcement that the Department of Transportation released regarding the accessibility of lavatories on single aisle aircrafts also noted how uh, another community that this rulemaking would benefit, much like curb cuts uh, benefit so many more people than just people in wheelchairs. They highlighted how beneficial uh, this final rule would be for parents with small children as well. Um, so I thought there is a, a nice connection there that when you make something accessible uh, for a certain group, you make it usable for more people, just like we talked about with the uh, accessibility guidelines for at-home testing, right? You make it more accessible for people who are blind. It can help older individuals. It can help, help folks with other disabilities as well. So as our group discussed these three items and these three items were shared, we all made a point of thanking and commending the administration the Department of Justice, the Department of Transportation, and the U.S. Access Board. Uh, but we were also sure to let them know in, in no certain, no uncertain terms that these initial steps are great. Uh, this Title II NPRM is great. The advancing and updating PROAG is wonderful. But these are only initial steps and more needs to be done. Um, and everyone... Uh, to a person and to an organization echoed the remarks that our advocacy, much like we're saying here today, our advocacy is not done. We are, we're taking this time to celebrate the, uh, the successes that have come in the 33 years since the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. We're taking this opportunity to celebrate the work that the federal government has done uh, over the past year, in the past two years, but we know that there's a whole lot more that needs to be done before the end of 2024 to uh, codify these rulemakings 
into regulation. So that's our update from all of the work and the events that ACB participated in and represented our members in uh, during the week of the Americans with Disabilities Act celebration. Um, we will be sharing more items as our work continues. There will be additional comment periods, uh, additional action alerts to seek co-sponsors for legislation. And you can hear all about that here on the ACB Advocacy Update. So Swatha, if folks would like to contact us or find out more information about ACB, what's the best way to do that? They can email us, um, Clark and me, at advocacy at acb.org. You can also learn more about our work at acb.org. Or they can um, also call us, or really me, at 202-467-5081. And Swatha, as we are continuing our work here in D.C. in the national office, uh, we know it's important for all of our members to use their voice um, to communicate with government and with their elected officials as well. Um, so any closing advice that you have for our members here on the Advocacy Update? Keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org.